Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how and when to use it, and really what's it all about. Join me, Gregor Finley, and my colleague, Sarah Turner, two executive coaches for an honest conversation. And in today's episode, I interviewed Joel Taylor of Let's Talk Talent with the question, is it good business to offer everyone coaching? So Gregor, tell us, why did you want to interview Jo specifically? I really wanted to interview her because she had experience of justifying coaching for everyone in an organisation that's hard-nosed, data-driven. So I was part of a cadre of coaches who partook in drop-in coaching or power coaching, where we were available, people could book in an hour's worth of coaching, and you didn't have to be an executive. It was available to anyone in the organisation. And the reason to speak to Joe is here's someone who has had to justify it and enact it in an organisation. So that's why I thought this would be a really useful interview to do. Great. And what I love about this um, episode, and I'm really excited for our listeners when they listen to this, is Joe shares her learnings. She talks about how she measures the impact and the outcomes that she achieved from, from using coaching in this way to help drive that culture change. And she talks a little bit about the different kinds of coaches that are useful for the different levels or the different forms of coaching based on her experience. So I think it's a really valuable listen. Yeah, she says there are there are two different propositions, mm. basically, yeah. executive coaching or dropping coaching. So there are two very different things. People will pick up on the added value you get from having a cadre of coaches. One of the things that I don't think she necessarily talked about, she mentioned something called the PSL, which later on I defined was the preferred supplier list. And that was the group of coaches. Yes. And what, what I thought was really interesting is that she talks about the, the time and the care that she took to actually hand select those coaches. She's so intimately involved in the business, knowing what that business needs, really clear about what she's trying to achieve. And she hand selects the coaches that she wants to be part of that team, which I just think is absolutely brilliant. And that is what's going to deliver the outcomes that you need. And, you know, there's many other ways in which organisations can offer coaching to the masses in this way. I mean, there's, you know, there's organisations where you can purchase a number of credits and you kind of go in and choose your coach. But the value of, the, of this kind of a model that Joe's talking about that you've been involved in with her and done with other organisations is this more bespoke, tailored approach, which really reflects the wider context of the business, these hand-selected coaches, and this much more personalized value-add approach. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to people listening to this episode and learning from Joe's experience in terms of how to implement this sort of program and justify it within an organization. So I think it's, it was well worth the, the conversation time. One thing I should say is right near the beginning, for some reason, I mispronounce her name. I call her Cho, not Joe. So uh, I do apologize to people for that. But yeah, it's Joe Taylor. Well, I'm very pleased to be joined by Joe Taylor, who was a client of mine starting back in 2013. As in, what I mean by client was I was used in her organization for coaching. She was not a coaching client of mine. So hi, Joe. Hi, Gregor. How are you? I'm, ve- I'm very good. Uh, Joe is the MD of a company called Let's Talk Talent, and whose tagline is creating simply irresistible experiences for companies and people. Tell us some more, Joe. Oh, I'm so delighted to be on this. So thank you so much for inviting me. Let's Talk Talent was born five years ago. 
based on the premise that I fundamentally believe that everyone is talent and everyone has potential. What we don't do as organizations and in HR, focus on potential for what? So our organization looks at the employee experience. So pre-life, early life, in life, and in a, in a bizarre way, after life. So how are you joining up, how you get great people and keep great people? And we as an organization can help you join that up, make it congruent, but ultimately enable people to be the best that they possibly can be every day. So what's better than that? Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And I'm thinking about my, my partner, Sarah, who does a lot of maternity coaching. I'm just thinking about that life cycle. You're thinking about somebody who's leaving and returning. Oh, absolutely. You know, as a parent, several times, they're, they're running through that life cycle several times. So I think she'll be really, really interested in, the, in this as well. Brilliant. So one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you is... When you were at Talk Talk and I was coaching within Talk Talk, you were running something called drop in coaching, which was basically making coaching available on site for people who wanted some coaching. And I thought you'd be an ideal person to ask this question, which is Is it good business to make coaching available to everyone? Because certainly that's what myself and Sarah believe. It. You've had that experience of doing that yourself, justifying it within a business. And I thought, Who better to ask that question? So, that's the question, Joel. Is it good business? A fundamental answer that, to that is a resounding yes. I totally believe that everyone has talent and that we need to give people opportunities to reach their potential. And coaching is a really great way of sort of enabling someone to take some time. Um, it's a gift, in effect, to talk about themselves. Because most people, especially now, spend their time thinking about their objectives, um, what they need to deliver, and are measured on that contribution to the business. And they don't get an opportunity to really step back and think about their strengths, their drivers, their motivations with someone that's not connected or responsible for them, like their line manager or someone internally to the business. So I have definitely found and definitely found at Talk Talk that demand outstrips supply and that we could have had this nearly every day if we wanted to because there was a real need within the business, especially probably at middle manager level and below, to get an opportunity to have that outside in view, which we don't get when we're just driven by the the objectives and the work that you have to deliver. And I've definitely taken that into my approach to coaching in my own business. And how we work with clients is much more through coaching on demand, whether that's in a team setting or an individual, and then really encourage businesses to democratize it. Because I don't believe that it should be just for the few and those senior levels, that they're different propositions. Coaching can be a really great opportunity to take some time to think, to reflect, to get tools and techniques and, you know, improve both personally and professionally. So why wouldn't you do it um, in an organization? I remember that you were very good at measuring, particularly engagement levels and the response. Basically, you were getting a great response from the company providing this for the employees, the company giving them a chance to have someone to talk to, as I say, not their line manager and someone who was just interested in their development. You got great reactions from that, I remember. Was that part of the business case or how did that work in terms of measuring things and quantifying the benefit? 
Well, it was, I mean, the great thing about Talk Talk, um, and it, I've sort of taken it into my business, was they always thought about outcomes and outputs. So outputs are your KPIs. So we, that's where you measured engagement score or you measured their sort of happy sheets after a coaching session. Did that person, you know, take value? What did they use? Um, did they want to work with that person again? The quantifiable KPIs. And that was really important. And part of my, I suppose, objectives or my KPIs as a, as a talent director at the time to look at how what we were doing was being valued beyond the fact that we were laying on coaching, um, formal development, you know, through a leadership program, informal L&D, mentoring, you know, how, where did, what did coaching do in that story? But then there's the outcomes, which I think, again, Talk Talk was really good at, was thinking about the cultural implications. So that was, did people feel more connected emotionally? Um, were they going to stay within the organization longer? Did we see internal mobility increase? Did we see capability of managers change and the swap from micro to, you know, leading with autonomy and trust? But those outcomes take a lot longer. And in an organization like Talk Talk that was very, I suppose, hungry and impatient at times to for measurement and, and, and for stories, I always struggled with being able to give that balance. So we definitely got the balance of uptick and and saw people move internally and great response to the coaches that were part of our cadre, of which you were one of them. All of that was really, really good. But was I able to really sit here today and say I could justify some of the outcomes that I talked about? Probably not, because I realized that coaching played a small part and that it was more about the culture, it was more about the environment, it was about the way that the business worked that was going to change that. And coaching was just one mechanism or tool in my tool bag that was going to help drive those environmental factors. Yeah, I think that's true. It's part of the picture. It's one of the elements. And unless you have a leader or a leadership team who are interested in transformation of the culture, you're not going to get traction on coaching or drop-in coaching. I agree. But if you do have a leadership team that is focused on we want the right kind of culture here, and if it's aligned with that culture destination, then that making coaching available on a wider basis is a huge take. Oh, definitely. And, and, we're, and we're seeing that with clients. You know, we've worked with King's College London and EU Networks on their coaching and their coach on demand. And it's been led, you know, not just by the HRD, but by the, the exec team in EU Networks perspective. You know, it's been, it's been sponsored. It's been part of the DNA of the CEO who believes that open coaching questions that, you know, um, asking and challenging should be part of what makes them a great place to work. With King's College, it's, it's more of a challenge because it's, it's got lots more history. But what we're seeing is that by starting with a particular need, which is how to re-onboard people back into campus and really focus on that need and looking at the intervention in that way, still opening it up and democratizing it so anybody can take an opportunity. But that could focus on well-being, it could focus on anxiety, it could focus on careers, uh, management tips, being really clear about where you can get the support and giving some people some guide rails of how to use it. I've definitely learned from my time at Talk Talk in making it clearer both to the coaches but also to the coachees um, so that you, you know, in a power hour, 
um, which is normally what sort of coaching on demand would be. You're making the best use of that time in both an actionable sense, but also a reflective sense for both the coach and for um, the individual. That, you know, that's where the magic ultimately happens, isn't it? Yeah, and that's great branding, the, you know, the power hour, because that's something that Sarah's uh, had as a term, you know, with another organisation, another client organisation of hers. And it just says it all, because it is a power hour. Yeah. You know, and which was brilliant that way. There's a question popped into my head. Did you find that there was a different kind of coach for, for drop-in coaching as opposed to more of what you might term executive coaching? Because my experience was, I remember one experience and all of the coaches that turned up were graduate recruits. Yeah. They were brand new. Yeah. So it was it was more mentor coaching than coaching. There was, yes. there was there was more there was a bit more pedagogy, you know, and like imagine if in, you know if you're working in Kingston where it's, it's a pedagogic institution, it's hard to get away from it. But do you find there's a different focus, a different type of coach that works well? Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on. I think it's it's about the level. I think that this coach on demand, the power hour, works best for middle managers and below. And that more, I suppose, senior exec coaching, you need a different type of coach. Somebody that has got, is less mentoring, is that exec coach that's kind of got more experience to get the best out of that person and also hold them to account. Whereas if you're dealing with graduates or middle managers, um, I find that you can have people that have a blend of that mentoring and coaching. So I think you have to really focus on your audience and make sure that you have coaches that that feel comfortable. Some people only feel comfortable working at that exec level um, and that's okay, but there's going to be less opportunity and it's less democratized and it's probably over time, which I really enjoy. So I like doing the balance. I like how I've got a couple of clients that I've worked with for a while and I've built up a relationship with them over six months and I've really you know moved them on and there's you know the typical three-way meeting at the beginning and it's more of a piece of consultancy whereas I think the power hour coach on demand is is challenging in a different way because you don't know what you're walking into you know some people are very good and they give you a heads up I'd like to talk about my career development or another person might say look I'm having a real issue with you know influence and impact and then you can really help Whereas other people don't know what coaching is and you spend 15, 20 minutes explaining how it's going to work, I find that harder. And I think it's it takes different skills in the coach's tool bag. The, the other thing that's gone through my head is one of the things I really appreciated at Talk Talk is you did you had a cadre of coaches yes. and you you brought us in, you updated us on what was going on in the organisation, giving us the wider business context. And yeah. that was extremely valuable and that, it was investment on the, the part of the coaches, but it was really valuable in how we could do stuff. So you clearly had some real beliefs around that. We did another podcast, which was about basically how do you select an executive coach? And I was just thinking, so tips from the horses now, how did you go about selecting executive coaches? Or I suppose the real question, how do you know you've got a good one and how do you know when you haven't? Well, I suppose for me, when I was building the PSL, it was from recommendation. So I like to think I've got a good network and I would go out and say, look, I'm doing, I want to do this proposition and who would you recommend me? And I also, I suppose with exec coaching, it's all about qualifications and levels and, you know, who have you worked with and, 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 and similarity in terms of business. One of the ways that I 
thought about Talk Talk was that we didn't need academic coaches. What we needed was business orientated, very practical, very sort of hands on, but very challenging. So I looked for that and I sort of, in a way, I created a bit like when you were interviewing, you know, a number of questions that I would ask people through, CV being one of them, experience being another one, you know, case studies being another one. And and when I'm building sort of coaches on demand, there's a sort of questionnaire bio that takes people through some set questions so that we that we not only check that out, but also we have a uniformity when presenting coaches to a client. But it comes down to knowing the business. I'd been there for a couple of years before I introduced the PSL. So I knew the business really well. And I knew that the only way they were, people were very judgmental um, and quite picky. And so I knew that I needed to have a balance, gender of age, of wider diversity, because that's the type of business that we were split between London and, and Manchester. And I take all of that, that kind of, kind of consumer thinking, that kind of persona mapping in effect, into the services that we run as a business now. So the coaches that, that are working with City Football Group are really different to the ones that are working at King's College and EU Networks because they're completely different cultures, completely different clients, completely different demographics. And I think it's important to know your audience first and foremost. Um, I should say for people uh, listening, PSL stands for Preferred Supplier List, which is the... Oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah, good. The group group that we are. So what I'm hearing is, you know, basically really know your business, work to the the measures and outcomes that are going to be important for that business. Yeah. And then tailor your group of coaches to meet the needs of the, the, the organization, the culture, and that particular subset of people that you're dealing with. Absolutely. It's really important that you keep it really simple, but you know, as you say, you know, who knows your audience better? You know, an HRD or a talent director, you know your audience better than the coaches. So it's your responsibility to brief in what will work and what has worked in the past. But also think future back. Think about when you're sitting in front of the board or you're, whoever you're responsible to, what do they want to see? Do they need to know how many people, are they interested in the numbers? We do a monthly report for clients. So that sort of how many coaching sessions, which departments, levels. And then we also pull together a themes. So these are the themes that we're seeing. And here's where you might want to do some more support. Yeah, that was another thing that was really important coming out of the drop-in coaching or having a cohort of coaches, even at the exact level, is we were able to report back, clearly maintaining confidentiality, we will be able to report back themes that we were seeing in the business. And I think that was a definite value. So I think you're, I think you're spot on in the fact that at the moment, people don't have the budgets. They are having to be more strategic in terms of where they spend, who they spend on, and make some quite tough decisions, you know, whether it's furloughing or making people redundant. And we're going into a really uncertain time, even though nothing is ever certain. So this is an investment, regardless of whether you're paying, you're doing few and you're doing, you know, spending five or 10K on, on, a one, on one person, or you're doing something that's more 150, 200 pounds when it's more on demand. And so I think it's really important to show that value, but also know what, what your team want to measure success and, and be comfortable in that ambiguity and be comfortable in, 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 in that agility um, of having a flexible service. So in terms of dropping coaching, 
you know, getting that enabled within an organization. Or do you have any key tips that you would give our audience, which you know, has HR people within? So I think, think first and foremost about what's the problem you're trying to solve? So what's the exam question? Coaching can be used to get great people and also keep great people. So, you know, how do you use it across the employee life cycle? How are you thinking about it as part of your L&D deal? Um, so do you want to democratize it? Do you want to build more internal capability? Do you want to bring that outside in? But then also think about how you use coaching across someone's journey in the organization so when they go when they start a new job can you use it as part of their first 100 days as an exec stepping into a bigger role how are you using it so i think first and foremost think about the need think about the exam question and then think creatively about how you use coaching as part of getting great people and keeping great people that's brilliant thank you joe thank you very much for giving your time i'll put Details and show notes of your organisation clearly, and also I know you have your own podcast, so make sure the details are in there. Brilliant! Um, I'd you. just like to say thank you very much for taking your time in these COVID times with uh, a puppy, which are always um, hard to deal with. Thanks for taking the time to do this in that environment as well. It's an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it, and thanks so much for inviting me. Good fun, and good luck, guys, in the future. Yeah, cheers. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We appreciate any feedback and we're keen to respond to any questions that there are out there about using and implementing coaching in organisations. So please feel free to email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com and there are more details in the show notes. And please do give us a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcasting or video platform. It really helps us to spread the word to a wider audience. Thanks everyone.